1: Hello, and welcome into the Believe in Monsters podcast. Today, we have our first real guest on the show, and it's not Joe Gaither. We actually have a real live guest on here to join us. His name is Matt Valdivinos from Pro Football Network, and we are stoked to have him on here just because the Bears finally had a good draft class, and now uh, we can have someone uh, who does this almost for a living tell us how good this draft class was. And how, how much fun the Bears are going to be. It was really good. I'll just say it was really good. <laughs> right. So we're going to have Matt chime in boy, here. Boy, boy. Give, us, uh, give us some of his information. I mean, he's been studying these guys all all year. Pumps out a bunch of great content. Uh, just an all-around great dude. And we're so happy to have him on. Matt, uh, this is your opportunity to give a little shameless plug for all the work you've been doing. And uh, you know, your Twitter handle, the whole nine yards. So the mic is yours
0: you. Um first and foremost, Matthew Valdivinos. Um thank you for the awesome intro. Um, big draft guy, Twitter personality. I like to call myself drip offensive and self- the essence of, of what I try to push for the brand. But you can know, follow me on Twitter at MVScouting. That's where most of my content is pushed out through. Um make sure you go check out pro football Network. Uh, that's where i do all my writing Uh, i also have a youtube you can go check that out we're working on increasing the quality of the content on that i'm trying to learn video editing and stuff like that and graphics so that i can produce a a better product Um, but everything is always just pushed through the twitter Uh, i like to engage with anybody and everybody who comes across my mentions my comments anything like that so it's always a good time and then we'd love to see you around
1: there you go folks mvs scouting check out his content it's awesome stuff Um, Matt is, like I said, draft personality. Great guy. He always answered my DMs on Twitter. Anything I had related to the Bears, he was always on top of and gave me an honest answer. And that's what we're all about here on Believe in Monsters podcast. I mean, Joe and I are huge Bears fans, but... Uh, we try not to be homers, so we really like some honest opinions here. Uh, isn't that right, Joe? How you doing tonight? We want the truth, Matthew. Give us
2: the truth. I just followed you myself on Twitter, so I'm excited to uh, see the interactions Lucas put, put me on. He said, hey, man, we got, our, we got a real big guest tonight, so you got to come, come with some questions. So uh, we're excited to put you to the test and see what you got to say about this Chicago Bears draft class.
1: That's right. And one more thing. The PFN draft simulator is the best draft simulator you could possibly have um joe and i that's what we use for our mock drift and that's what we mocked justin fields to the bears in we had the bears trading up with miami which wasn't correct but we still had the bears landing justin fields in the first round so we were on to something there and uh pfn made it realistic enough to make that happen it didn't have uh you know justin fields being a top three pick it, it changes all the time according to uh, new information that comes out so very dynamic system there um, great to use i'm sure do you guys already have that out for next next season? Yeah, you- we do. Yeah, if you
0: want to go do a 2022 mod, you are more than welcome to. We've only got, I think, I want to say like 50 ish players in the mock system right now. We are we have another meeting tomorrow night. We have meetings every week to update it. We constantly are adding more players, more and more and more. Um, actually, no. Now that I think about it, I think we actually did in our last meeting implement. So we might have a couple hundred players in there now. Um, but yeah, we meet every week. We try to take in as much information as we can. Um, talk to as many insiders as we have. We have a number of guys like Tony Pauline, Ben Albright, uh, who we have working with us at PFN. So we have a lot of really, really great information that we get through them. And then we all we also look at the rest of the we look at every other mock draft sim to see who they have, where they're valuing people. We look at the experts, right? Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, um, even guys like Mel Kuiper who are, are well informed. We take all of that information. We're looking. Okay, these guys are saying that these players are going to get mocked here. We've got to have them at this point in our sim. So there's no opinion from us. Now we might say, hey, this guy's a dude. We have to have him in the sim. But it's not a hey, I like this player more, right? It's not that we across the board all had Justin Fields as QB two. But we knew that Trevor Lawrence was going one. We knew that Zach Wilson was going two, and we had an inclination that Justin Fields was not on. San Francisco or Atlanta's radar. So we had them, you know, brought back, we put them to QB4, even though we all had them as QB2. So we don't, it's not an opinion thing. We just try our, to produce the best quality product we can for everyone who needs to use a mock draft simulator. And so that's why we really, really do put so much effort into this. So we really, really appreciate that everyone's using it and everyone's enjoying it.
2: Well, here's Dad. a stupid question about your mock draft simulator. Obviously it's easy to determine, to determine the order when there's games in play, but how do you, how are you determining the 2022 mock draft order? There's yeah. gotta be a formula,
0: obviously. I think, just, I think we're doing, you got the bears at 32, right? I think we're, uh, I don't think so. Well, yeah, maybe in a trade back, uh, uh, or uh, sorry, a trade up, a trade up. Um, Cause they don't have that first. <laughs> yeah. We
2: gave it away to the giants. Yeah, so, exactly. You know.
0: Exactly. So maybe the giants picking 32. Um, Daniel Jones would have to be Eli Manning. But regardless, so that's why I think for the upcoming year, we're doing Super Bowl odds. And I think we're also doing win predictions by the staff and then kind of averaging that up. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure. Once I find out, I'll definitely get back to you and let you know, though
1: yeah but it like you said it's just a it's a work in progress so the fact that there's even a baseline out there right now if you wanted you could go around and mess with it but obviously the the closer you get to the draft the more accurate that's going to be with the more exactly. information you have but um just speaking of that speaking of 2022 um you know there's this i feel like there's this weird notion especially on twitter where fans are like Uh, you can always get a QB next year. You know, you want to fortify your offensive Mm -hmm. line. You want to do X, Y, and Z. And my big argument against all that was, I think this 2021 QB class, just from looking at them and watching tape on them is, is really special. So, um, just from a bears perspective, I am super happy the bears traded up for fields this year, instead of a guy like Slovis or, or one of those or rattler next year. I mean, what, from your perspective, how do you think this QB class stacks up to next year's? Obviously you're going to have to do some projecting, but just from pure talent, from what you've seen so far.
0: I mean, to be hundred percent honest, the 2021 class, in my opinion, is the most talented we've had in a while. Um, the closest one in the past, the two closest ones in the past 10 years that you can compare it to as, as far as like overall talent that was in the class. I think 2018 guys like Baker Josh Allen Lamar were all there. Plus Sam Darnold is, has started games, right? Josh Rosen obviously didn't work out. Uh, but overall, the 2018 class was there, but I don't think it was viewed as highly as in we are viewing the 2021 class and have viewed the 2021 rookie class um, going into the draft and now leaving it. So I think the closest one going into it is 2012 where you had Andrew Luck, RG3, Ryan Tannehill was really, really well liked. And then Brandon Whedon was the first runner, which was strange, but 2012 also had a really, really strong group in the middle of the draft class, Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins, right? So it was producing starters across the board, Um, but it was not real, real deep in that first round. I think it's kind of similar or or not to say that first round, but that they they didn't have a lot of late first, early second round quarterbacks that you'll see here in this 2022 class in 2021. It was similar where it was just the top talent, uh, the top four quarterbacks, and then Mac Jones, depending on how you felt about him. Uh, But then it was a pretty big cliff, a pretty sizable fall off. There was no one you really wanted to take in that late first, early second round. But you had those guys in that third round, that late, late second, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, who project one of them will be a relatively quality starter at some point in their career. Um, Just based off, you know, what you see from each draft class in the past, I think, whereas 2022, you don't have any of that top talent that you had in this 2021 class. I would take Justin Fields, who was the fourth quarterback taken over anybody in the 2022 class right now, without question. I would take Zach Wilson, I would take Trey Lance, and I would take Trevor Lawrence over anyone as well. So I think Spencer Rattler is the only guy in that 2022 class that looks to me to be a top-ten talent right now. Um, Sam Howell has a lot to prove. Kinos Lovis has a ton to prove. Guys like JT Daniels, Desmond Ritter, Jaden Daniels all have a lot, a lot of questions. But that 2022 class, I do think if you're a team picking in that late first round, maybe you're you're feeling better because you can take someone like a Malik Willis, a Desmond Ritter, who the tools are there, right? There's some production there, but you don't really, right. No one's going to take this quarterback in the top 15, like we did with five quarterbacks here in 2021.
1: Yeah. And I think that makes me feel just a lot better as a Bears fan that they went up and did this this year, as opposed to kind of just seeing how next year went, you know, maybe they're bad and maybe they get a top pick. But again, if you're picking one of those quarterbacks, that's projects more of a project like a late round first rounder. um, It's just, I don't know. It's just something you want to stay away from, in my opinion, yeah. and I'm just glad the Bears didn't go down that route. Um, so, yeah, you kind of just confirmed everything I've been feeling and ha- just happy the Bears actually got this done. Um, Joe, what, do you, what are you thinking?
2: Well, Matthew, I want to know, uh, what, did, what did you – what do you know about the? Uh, per, what, what I've heard about is these uh, the Bears and the Giants had already had a trading in place prior to the first round even kicking off. What What do you know about about that? And did they, was that the case, or did they wait to see that? Were the Giants waiting to see uh, kind of how the picks fell before they made the, yeah. made the?
0: So with that, I think it's a case of both. With the Giants, right? If Devonte Smith's there, maybe they don't make the trade, but it's a hey, we're interested in moving up. These are the picks we're willing to offer. And then the Giants meeting and say, hey, we'll move down for this. If this, these amount, these certain players aren't there, and we don't want to take them, right? Um, To my knowledge, uh, a couple teams had the same thing with the Broncos had a deal with Cincinnati for five. Should Trey Lance, I think is the the player, they're the quarterback they were targeting. Should he fall to five? So I know that they had a deal set in place, right? But you don't know if, that meant should Jamar Chase have already gone and Cincinnati didn't have a chance at Jamar Chase or should it be Zach Wilson or something like that? So you never know that you can have that kind of baseline, but I don't think it was set. Hey, we're moving up to 11, regardless of what happens.
1: Sure. They, sure. they did. I forget which uh, coverage I was watching, but they did flash before the giants were even up. They flashed the bears pick at 11 on the screen. It mm-hmm. said, it said when it was going on the ticker, it said Chicago bears pick 11. And uh, one of our buddies on Twitter was just like, is that a typo? Or like, did the bears trade up? And it was like, this was at pick four or five in the drift. I'm like, Oh dude, it's just a typo. Like no big deal. And then turns out the bears actually did trade up to 11. Maybe so That's
0: crazy. They... I know. So I, I did see something similar. I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw that as well. There was a Washington one as well for the sixth pick. Um, now, obviously Washington did not move up for the sixth. Maybe again, had Trey lands been at six, that's what would have been what Washington did or, or anything like that. But I do think that a, it could have been possible, but it was more likely just a coincidence.
1: Yeah. I think probably going into it, they, the, the draft, whoever's covering it probably just has all the information. This mm-hmm. team, if this happens, will probably trade up to here. So they have all the, yeah, and they're just presenting the and graphics. Yep. Exactly. So it's probably just like a slip, but yeah, uh, that or they something was in place Thirty-two,
0: yeah, that or they have all 32 teams. For all 32 picks in the round, and maybe that was just the Bears one going through, and someone correct, took a yeah.
1: Well, it was a uh, it was crazy that it ended up happening. But mm-hmm. um, so I, I personally, I mean, how do you feel about this Chicago Bears class overall? I think, um, you know, I don't really love giraffe grades, but I just think from where they were picking and from a needs perspective, they kind of, I think they hit a home run here, especially for um, kind of what they had to give up for who they got.
0: Yeah, I think. Typically with a draft class of this shape or size, if that makes sense, where you're you're not making a ton of picks in those middle rounds. Um, you're you're not picking from 39 to that round five pick, um, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it was around 150. Um it's hard for teams to get really, really good value or get a good draft grade because there's not a lot of substance. But when Chicago has such a strong end, such a strong late day three in my opinion that's what really makes the draft class an AA minus um overall right i probably i would lean to the a like a 95 out of 100 um for me a uh, team has to write off of the every single pick has to be amazing i wasn't a huge fan of tevin jenkins i understand the pick i think the value is fine um i think the fit works we're going to see if he's going to be able to work is he playing left tackle uh, it that looks that like he, yes. Yes. yep. So, so that, it looks
1: like they cut uh, Charles Leno immediately yep. after drafting him. So yeah. it looked like their plan in place was, was to plug Tevin Jenkins in there. Okay, yep.
0: so that's yeah, that's what I was curious about. We'll see how that works. I was personally just lower on Tevin Jenkins than the consensus. Um, so it was a little high for me, and I don't know that I think I was concerned on whether he would be able to stick at right tackle and if he would have to be pushed into guard. And, and which is big for me to say because I'm very, very anti-moving tackles to guard. Um, That's like a whole part of my brand that I don't love doing. I hated it when people do it with Penny Sewell, Christian Ray Sean Slater. Um, But with Jenkins, I have some of those concerns just on his functional um, play strength and and the ability to anchor with his arm length. Um, But stout, stout, run blocker, uh, and the feet and functional athletic ability are really, really good. It's just that anchor that concerns me sometimes. So we'll see how that plays out in the NFL. But other than that, it was really Great picks across the board headlined by that Justin Fields move, which to me is the best pick in the first round, because you're getting my number two quarterback, my number four player at the 11th pick, and you're not mortgaging your future. You're Yes, you're giving up a couple of day two picks and then that extra one, but we've seen a lot of teams pay up more for substantially worse quarterback prospects, so... We'll see how it all plays out. But I mean, I love the Bears class overall. Some of the day three guys I really, really love. I'm a huge Thomas Graham fan. I think Daz Newsom's is going to be really, really productive for them. Even Kyrus Tong is probably going to get onto the field at some point in this rookie year. So I really, really enjoyed what they did in that day three. Just feels a great pick. My only one is I think it was a little high for Tevin Jenkins, but comparative to how some people really, really loved him. I know guys like Brandon Thorne, who I respect a ton, who are one of my favorite offensive linemen, gurus, or or advocates, or analysts, whatever you want to call him. He had Tevin Jenkins as his number two tackle, right? So a lot of people that I respect and I really, really like their love their opinion of offensive lineman really, really love Jenkins. He just wasn't someone that I was really infatuated with. But other than that, I thought it was a home run of a draft
2: class. What What were some of the deficiencies that you saw in Jenkins uh, that you thought oh, this might not be mm-hmm. the right guy? So the now biggest. this is
1: Matt. Let Let me just preface this by saying, I mean, me and Joe are are we we love football, man. Uh-huh. I would say offensive line is probably the hardest position to scout, without a doubt. So the fact gotcha. that you you played offensive line, you definitely bring a perspective to this that neither of us has really heard before. So mm-hmm. definitely value, you know, what you're going to say, and you can even dive into a little bit of Larry Borm then as well, um, and, and what you think about him. So you can just give us a two for one here, a down on both.
0: With Jenkins, um, my biggest show, when you look at the best edge rusher that, and people talk about this a lot, and it's a bit cliche. Um, throughout his, his scouting reports, but the best edge rusher that he played in his career, arguably was Ronnie Perkins, uh, edge rusher from Oklahoma. I forget where he got drafted off the top of my head. Um, but he, Ronnie, Ronnie Perkins gave him hell for a quarter, um, He eventually got hurt, Tevin Jenkins did, and missed the rest of the game. But probably the nastiest play I saw from a defensive end this year was a long arm that Ronnie Perkins took, and he just brought Tevin Jenkins. He sat him on the ground right in front of his quarterback for a sack. Um, It was pretty brutal, and and that was a recurring theme across his film where it was just the anchor was not up to par with someone that I expected um, that I expected from Jenkins going in, right? You see all the highlights across your timeline. You see people saying, oh, this dude has phenomenal play strength. He has excellent power at the point of attack. And he does. He's a great, great run mover because when he's able to lock his arms on, he's moving forward, he's creating torque. His frame's excellent for that. He's got really, really good natural base strength. Um, and he climbs up very, very well. He keeps his pad level excellent. There's, there's a lot to like in a run block. I think he'd be the best at some point in his career. I could absolutely see him being the best run blocking off the tackle in the NFL but his anchor is such an issue for me that I worry established NFL edge rushers are going to take advantage of that. When you look at the NFC North guys like Romeo core made a living off long army people last year. Um, Z'Darrius Smith and Preston Smith are both very adept, both heavy, heavy defensive ends that win with power. So that's where my concern now, Daniel Hunter, 10 Jenkins might be, will probably not lose to nearly as often because he's so athletic speeder so smooth. Um, that that's going to help him. But when you have a weaker anchor like Jenkins does and combined with the really, really short non 33 inch arms, which is my threshold for arm length. That's where the concern comes in. Um, with Larry Borum, it's a little bit different, longtime starter, at Missouri, right? Good size, good length to be a tackle, probably just a swing guy in the NFL. Uh, you don't really expect, I don't really expect him to to establish himself as a starter anytime soon in his career. Maybe after a couple of years, he has the tools. Um, in Chicago was like, Hey dude, this is your opportunity to play right tackle. Do it, and he he becomes an acceptable guy. I can definitely see that. Someone like a Morgan Moses, right? That, that Washington has that would make a lot of sense to me. Um, similar frames. So, but otherwise, I wouldn't expect a ton this year. I think a swing tackle, a high quality swing tackle, potentially is probably what we would see from him in his career.
1: Yeah, and he uh, he actually slimmed down a lot. He lost thirty pounds since uh, since the draft. Or, or since, like, his pre-draft workouts. So he's 30 pounds down. He looks a lot slimmer okay. uh, there at rookie OTAs. But, yeah, no, I, I think um, a lot of fans don't really separate, you know, draft class versus when these guys will actually see the field. And Bourne yeah. for me is exactly what you said, kind of just that you hope he turns out into a, a possible swing tackle two to three years down the line. But when you have um, – I mean, Jermaine Effetti the only guy in front of him right now. I wouldn't say Jermaine Effetti is that great of a right tackle. Yeah. I mean, he's very – average or probably below average um you know maybe you give larry Borm. maybe he sees the field sooner uh than a few years but but we'll see i I mean he really does have a good chance to establish himself um just given depth at that position and what the bears are lacking um now what i will say about jenkins and Borm is that what i noticed about both their taste is they're they're both just they play mean and that is something the bears have lacked since they've had kyle long so that factor alone is I think what kind of drove these two picks to just get more nasty up front. I, I think last year there was a lot of, um, a lot of tackles and, and just mm-hmm. free runs at the quarterback where the line just didn't care. Yeah, like, they looked like, line play. I, yes, I agree. Yes. I, I agree completely. So like, just like you said, even though those might be issues with Jenkins, I think the fact that he brings that to the table, that nastiness, um is why he was probably higher on the bears board and i do think like you said i, I did see a lot of kind of discrepancy in where this guy was going to go he was originally a, a what was he like a day two pick for a long time and uh, then yeah so
0: the, the long yeah so he was hey this is the guy that you know teams are going to want on day two um you know started in the big 12 really really nasty film long time starter position versatile but then some of the you know bigger guys started to get to him and it was like yo, the nfl starting to really really like to jenkins is that We start to see what well, we start to assume that his stock is going up because more people are talking about him. Uh, and that's kind of what always happens with draft Twitter with guys like this. Um, that the more people start to talk about it, the, the more their stocks get up. But what people don't realize is the NFL's been on these guys, right? The NFL is not just getting around to them. The NFL's have scouting departments for a reason. So they yeah. knew exactly what Tevin Jenkins was the final game he played at Oklahoma State, week seven or whatever it was, right? And so the NFL is not going to change their opinion. No team's going to go, well, we had him as a day two pick, but we just went back to the film because we saw it on Twitter. Whereas Daniel Jeremiah maybe doesn't watch Tevin Jenkins until February. And now everyone's like, oh, Daniel Jeremiah just said that this guy's pretty good. So he could go in the first round. That's just not how that works.
1: Now, do you think the move, do you think the Bears trying to play him at left tackle could be like a make or break for his career? Or do you think he's... To be
0: honest, if they commit to it, Completely, right? If it's, if they play him at left tackle and he doesn't work his rookie year and then they draft left tackle next year to protect Justin Fields and move him to guard, that's fine. I'm more than comfortable with that. That makes sense to me, right? He was, he was a productive tackle in a top five conference um, or a power five conference. I apologize. Was just great run blocker. Let him play tackle. He's, he's got the athletic ability to do it. That's fine. Um, I'm comfortable with that, but you can't play him at tackle let him struggle then play him again next year, he continued to struggle and you just hard commit to him being a left tackle for the entirety of his career, that will make or break his career. But if he, and he could be good right in that timeline that you play him at tackle, when he is more than effective at left tackle and, you know, that would work as well. But I think if he doesn't work at left tackle, you can't just be committed to him trying to figure it out when you could just play him at garden. I think he'd be a very, very, a great guard.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it was uh, – I mean, I was honestly – there was a lot of talk about Charles Leno possibly getting cut. He signed with your Washington football team. Um, I mean, Leno is – he's not a bad player. He's mm-hmm. just not – he doesn't do anything that's, like, great. Like, he's just your average left tackle who's yep. not going to cost you a lot of money. It would it would have made a lot of sense for the Bears to keep him around one more year, I think, in meant. I agree. I, that was my rookie. big issue with the yes. They're kind of just throwing him to the fire, which, I mean – you know, if you really believe in him that much, sure, but I'm not, I, I agree with you. I'm not too confident that this would be a great switch. I mean, only time will tell, but you're, you're putting a lot of your eggs in one basket here exactly. by doing that. And
0: who's the backup left tackle now without let him?
1: Oh, I, I mean, I the Bears have done so much shuffling on their offensive line. Um, so, I mean, to yeah, your point, exactly. James, James Daniels has had a similar issue where they had to flip-flop yeah. him and Cody Whitehair between center and guard, and then eventually they found out they're both just better at guard and they ended up playing Mustafer now at center. Um, Joe, who, who is the bears backup left tackle? Would it be Alex bars? Well, bars is the name that comes to mind. Obviously uh,
2: you're, wow. like, I guess, I guess you're looking at Borum.
1: Boreham, and bars. No, uh, I, they, I don't know who they would put at left tackle. I really don't. If, if James, yeah, so let, it, yeah let it would make
0: a little more sense. And that, yeah. So, Having Leno at left tackle and then being able to play Tevin Jenkins at right tackle, Jermaine Effetti can then be the backup right tackle. That's not a terrible yes. value at all. And then yes. have Borum be that back. And like you said, Charles Leno is never going to be, you know, he's that average left tackle. So you're not going to be forced to play somebody else behind him. Um, that just wouldn't made more sense to me personally. But I mean, I'm not going to complain that Charles Leno is now a Washington football teamer.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a solid weeks. pickup. <laughs> now nah, he's. Like I said, he's just like the average <clears throat> run of the mill tackle. He just does nothing spectacular, but he, he and he's a good, he's a really good person. He did a lot for the city of Chicago. So he's that's a, very true. Got to give he's him credit. A, he's a stand up dude. I think you guys will definitely like him in, in Washington. Fits right in with uh, Ron Rivera's culture over there.
2: Absolutely. Hey, I want to skip ahead down uh, into that late, late, late. late I want to skip ahead into the sixth round where they're picking up Thomas Graham and uh, where, where we can, uh, is this a guy we can expect to see roaming around the secondary this year making plays?
0: I hope so. So with, I apologize. I'm not, now that I think about it, I'm kind of blanking. So obviously you have Jalen Johnson, are not on the team. Coffler's gone. Who's the expected other boundary corner?
1: Desmond Trufant, the Bears sign.
0: Yes, gotcha. Okay. But they also um,
1: they also have uh, this kid they drafted last year, Kendall Vildor. Kendall Vildor? Yeah, he's Kendall, probably.
0: I so I was a big Kendall, Yeah.
1: So I, I think overall, it's probably going to be Trufant and Johnson on the outside, and then the slot corner battle is going to be between Vildor and Graham. Yeah, in my so. Opinion.
0: So I think will win it out um I think he's just naturally better suited for the nickel than is. Graham's a long um not super twitchy athlete really really great when the balls in the air kind of just lock down your side. I imagine they're gonna play a ton of cover three this year um not ex- i don't I don't expect they're gonna play a ton of man um so'll we'll, yeah not with that quarterback well, they Even they, they, they also they they're a ton.
1: they're gonna be playing a, a very similar defense to what they play with Vic fangio because they have yeah. Sean DeSai, who studied under Fangio for a long time, yeah, um, is their new D coordinator. So you're going to see, yeah, a lot of
0: so. so like Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee three. Thomas Graham fits that perfectly for that boundary corner. So I think he'll just be that swing boundary. Trufant gets hurt. Yeah, Gadowsky gets hurt. God bit. um, he fills in yeah. real, real easy. Or they just need a breather. He's going to be great there.
1: I mean, honestly, that's you know, I, I don't like saying this, but Jalen Johnson and Trufant are both injury-prone cornerbacks, so. Mm-hmm this kid might definitely be thrown into the situation where he has to play the
0: outside. I think he's great for it too. Super, super productive, long, long time starter at Oregon. Who's well known for developing pro ready cornerbacks. I think, he, I think it's a great, great pickup. He's honestly my favorite, other than Justin Fields. Cause I just viewed Justin so highly. I love this Thomas Grant pick. I think it's a perfect spot for him to land. He was one of my guys coming out of the draft. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks is because it's so volatile drafting cornerbacks. Um, and expecting rookies to play that I think Thomas Graham is one of those few where you can just be like, I know what he gives me. If I play him in the right spot in this cover three, I, I, he can be a productive and, and capable starter. He's never going to be a shutdown. He's not going to be Kyle Fuller, but he can definitely provide the same kind of impact Jalen Johnson had last year.
1: That, I mean, that would be huge. I mean, Jalen Johnson had, I think he had a tremendous. was much better than people
0: thought. Much, much yeah. better than people thought. Uh,
1: yeah. Very, very, very good. The best rookie,
0: well, I don't know, Jerry Sneed was really good too, but the best yeah. boundary corner.
1: Yeah, Johnson, I mean, that that probably, I now, don't ask me why the Bears decided that they had to cut Kyle Fuller when they still have Junior yeah. Graham on the roster, who would have saved them $9 million off the cap and they could have probably kept Fuller. Don't ask me why that happened. No clue. Regardless, they do have a very big void at corner, and that that is a scary position for me this year on the Chicago Bears yeah Um, for sure going to seven picks before the bears took daz newsome out of north carolina i mean the bears made a it seemed like they were going for a very um they were looking for a very specific type of player they signed marquise goodwin in free agency i know daz newsome isn't blazing fast but i think he plays a lot faster than his 40 time Mm -hmm. i mean what what do you think about this pick in the sixth round and is this a guy you think could see the field i think he's at least would be a punt returner for the bears but who knows i want to see what you're thinking can he possibly be a wide receiver four or five on the team eventually
0: yeah i do. so my thing is the bears have a lot of day three
1: wide <laughs> receivers right like they, they have
0: a, so like obviously you're not taking alan robinson off of the field you're not taking assuming he's i'm assuming he's playing right he signed the tag on yeah. the franchise tag. Um, signed so i assume he's playing i assume he's not going to hold down under the new rules um not taking Mooney off of the field. Um, it just wouldn't make sense. So, I guess... giving Anthony and,
1: Miller another Yeah, I was
0: going to say, it's Anthony Miller, they were they were talking about him being traded, right?
2: <laughs> they were, but they weren't able to get anything back for him. So, they kept... They we're going to keep him around
1: one more year. It's the right move. He's he's too talented to just... Yeah, like, he's good. Um, he's
0: that, just, that one catch, I forget who threw the ball. I, th- I don't know if it was... I think it was Trubisky. Um, like, going down right at the goal line... Uh, on the opposite side of the engine, that's one of the craziest catches I had seen all year. But I and I really really like Anthony Miller, so I hope we can put something together. But I don't think that Daz Newsom is going to outproduce Anthony Miller. Right? I think Anthony. No, I, like better, I mean
1: basically outside of Mooney, Miller, and Robinson, I mean you're talking mm-hmm. about um, you a bunch of scrubs. You're talking yeah, about Marquise <laughs> Goodwin. You're talking about Daz Newsom, Javon, Wims, Javon Wim, Wims. Have been trying. It Mr. Two
0: Piece, yeah, Javon Wims, Mr. Two Piece. Um, one of my best friends says he's going to name his kid Javon Wims. So um, do with that information what you will. But he – so, yeah, I think he just fits – is Riley Ridley still on the team? Shout Yeah, out he's draft. still on the yeah, team. Yeah, just... draft Twitter love child Riley Ridley. Um, That's what so, I mean. Like these
1: guys just can't seem to stay on the field for whatever yeah, think, reason. They just have Daz never Newsom put it Newsom. together. Yeah,
0: I think Daz some fits in that. Well, they, yeah, they're like day three guys, right? So it's just like – I think Daz Newsom, fits that, or not Chicago, sorry, Washington was kind of in that same situation last year where outside of Terry McLaurin, it was just dudes. It was just Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Kelvin Harmon, um, right? Well, Kelvin Harmon got her. Antonio Gandy-Golden, right? Don Inman I mean, I think Chicago's kind of got that same second tier where it's just day three receivers. I think Daz Newsom's the same. He's going to have a specific skill set. He'll be on the field for certain plays that they want to do, maybe one or two things with him uh, as a third or fourth option. But I, I doubt he's going to put it together and become this phenomenal you know day three pick like we saw Mooney it just it, it isn't likely for that to happen
1: yeah now, I could think the, it yeah yeah I think the Bears honestly they were I mean Tariq Cohen got hurt you know on a punt mm-hmm. return I think they're trying to I think he could at least return punts for them yeah
0: and that would be huge that's for guys like that find their value um, that's yeah. where that's where those day three receivers find their their value for sticking to a team right if Javon Wims was giving you three punt return touchdowns a, a year you would we would be way more appreciative of him. Um, exactly. He doesn't do that. So there's nothing to be thankful for. Besides and then the content.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then you look at their other six round pick. I mean, Khalil Herbert, it's, mm-hmm. it's another guy. I mean, another I, guy who can do that. Yeah. I, I really like that guy. I think he's going to be, I think he takes the quarter Patterson role. Um, I think you'll see him probably. I actually think Herbert will make probably the biggest yep. uh, offensive impact uh, from that, that late round.
0: Yeah. I would, I would, agree. There.
1: I I mean, the Bears use Tariq Cohen in the slot more than they do at running back. I mean, his slot usage is about 30-something percent, or it was before. So, uh, I would say he's not really a true number two running back.
0: Well, I mean, for both of them, I think if Cohen gets hurt, you can play him in that that spot if, you know, take that Cordell Patterson role as well, provide return relief. Um, I think all of that will make – Will be the reason why they would keep him on the roster, make sure he makes the roster, and why he's getting time on game day.
1: Right. They also have Damian Williams on the roster, who just is a seems like he he finds a way to stick around the league. I mean, he's a he's a solid change of pace running back. And I mean, that's just his role in the league. I mean, wasn't
2: he? He was almost a zero one DB. He should yeah. have been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see you see
1: guys like that. Like James White did the same thing on the Patriots. Yep. Like it's those having those guys is valuable on your roster, especially James when you're had eighty catches. Yeah. You just so, never know. Uh, right. And then, um, yeah, I mean, you can take it away about your man, Tonga. The Bears took in the seventh round. I thought that was another pretty good pick in the late round. Um, Eddie Goldman solid up the middle. But, um, again, just having having a guy to give him a breather I think is huge. And I think the Bears will probably be moving on from Akeem Hicks next year. So
0: Exactly.
1: Um, do you think this is a guy that could potentially start down the road for Chicago? yeah <laughs>
0: Maybe, but I think he's a guy that if he is starting for them, they're looking to upgrade him sooner rather than later, right? Like it's, he's a guy like, oh, Akeem Hicks goes down. He's he's playing for you, right? And he's giving you starter minutes, but his best role is going to be in that rotational spot, giving your guys breathers and not providing a fall off from the starter to the bench. Um, if Yeah, I think if you're starting him for a full year, you're going into the draft and you're like, defensive tackles need, we want to upgrade Tyrus Tonga. Um, But if he's your backup, he's your, you know, depth piece, I think he's more than capable of doing that. And that's a great value for a seventh round pick, right? I don't think people ever, everyone wants all players to be a starter. um, When in reality, that's not how that works. The best draft classes are giving you value round one through round seven. So if you're getting productive players who are giving you time, even if it's off the bench, that's still a great pick for the seventh round.
2: Well, if you as you wrap up the twenty twenty one draft class, uh, obviously you guys are already started on twenty two. What what are some positions of need that the Bears? Obviously, we, we kind of touched on corner a little bit, and you kind of touched a little bit of defensive tackle there. That the Bears are going to re- go into the net, like we're going to be four or five weeks in the season, mm-hmm. saying we got to draft somebody to fill this this position.
0: Yeah, I think offensive tackle is going to be one we'll see early um, with Jermaine Fettie starting. We'll see if we're going to if they're going to need someone there. Um, center potentially. I'm not entirely sure what the plan is. Is Mustapher going to be the long-term guys that they're – what they're moving forward with? And then I also think – we already talked about corner, but if wide receiver Allen Robinson decides that – and this isn't one that we're going to say four weeks into the season, oh, we need a wide receiver, right? Because obviously Allen Robinson's going to do what Allen Robinson does. But if he's content on I don't want to play in Chicago anymore for whatever reason, then maybe we are looking we're like, hey, let's go get – Justin Fields a weapon. Let's go get him that wide receiver one that he can grow with, and that's going to be really exciting because twenty twenty two has some dudes up top. um So I think that's the big one. Just making sure that you are surrounding Justin Fields with the most amount of talent because he is your win condition moving forward. Justin Ross, the, yeah, right, right. <laughs> we exactly guys like Justin Ross, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. There's a ton of dudes. um and you can get him a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson, someone that he played in college with, right? So you can what Miami did with Tua, what Cincinnati did with Jamar Chase. That could be something that we see pretty commonly happening moving forward. And so I think that's a great place to be in too, if that's what they're looking to do as well.
1: Yeah, the Bears are in kind of a unique spot. I, I alluded to this last week on our podcast. They have they have thirty nine free agents going into next season. Jeez. So yeah that's basically their their whole roster yeah. essentially yeah, free agents like 70 percent um, it, 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 it's a it's a blessing and a curse and i i say it's a blessing just because when you draft a new quarterback like justin fields you're going to be able to surround him with talent that fits his skill set the best mm-hmm. so you're not surrounding you know mitch trubisky with talent you're surrounding justin fields with talent so that might mean you r- might run more of a college style offense you know you you want more of a premium on speed the whole nine yards there um I think Allen Robinson, honestly, playing with a guy like Justin Fields might change his mind. Yeah, and the fact that the Bears have so much money to spend, they're probably going to be more willing to say, "Here, here's your twenty million a year." Twenty. Alan. That's yeah. going to be the number you two. It. It has to,
0: has to be, has to be minimum but twenty. I,
1: honestly, people clown the Bears for not signing Allen Robinson, but in reality, I think they played they played him the best because you saw a guy yep. like Kenny Galladay go for uh, basically pennies to the New York Giants. And Alan Robinson said, hey, I'm not going to make that much money on the free market. I'm going to sign the same tag. So honestly, I think the Bears played that right. And then going into next year, they'll have more money to sign a guy like that. But um, as you just alluded to, I mean, these past two draft classes have been some of the deepest wide receiver classes I've ever seen. Does that trend continue into next year with all those guys you named? Do you think it's as deep or do you think it's more top heavy?
0: So looking at it right now, I don't think it's nearly as deep as the last two drafts have been. Um, I think overall, though, the position's getting more and more saturated. Everyone wants to be wide receivers, right? That's why we're always looking. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah pointed this out a couple of years ago, and this really, really stuck out to me. Um, parents should push their kids to be cornerbacks, their young football players to be cornerbacks over wide receivers, because everyone wants to be the offensive player who's getting the ball and who's putting up numbers. But when it comes to the draft, we always have more than enough wide receivers. We're always talking about day three wide receivers who could produce because they're good players. But every single year, NFL teams and scouts are looking for more and more quality corners. And I think that really, really holds true because we see this position getting oversaturated. I talked about this. I want to say like, A year and a half, two years ago, prior to COVID, um, I was on a plane in an airport and I tweeted out that I thought the wide receiver position was gonna start getting looked at like the running back position where the value is just not there because it's so easy to replace that production with a really good player. We're seeing more and more day two and day three wide receivers giving teams good quality minutes. And so I think with a guy like Allen Robinson, I was saying for a long time that they could have just potentially taken Rashad Bateman at 20. I'm sure you guys saw that all the time as in Allen Robinson, because I think that could have been, I think that would have made a ton of sense. I think Rashad Bateman could do or become close to what Allen Robinson is. I think with this 2022 class, we're not going to see nearly as much productive day two and day three receivers as we have from 2020. And as I expect there will be from 2021, but the top of the class is very, very good. And in my opinion, probably better than the top of the 2021 class. But I was also a lot lower on the top guys in 2021
2: I should probably preface that we've kind of gone over the Bears draft class and uh all kind of agree that they did a fairly fairly good job with, with, with the picks that they that they had what about the other uh the division rivals the the team up north and you know the the, the Vikings and the Lions was there any of those three that you really particularly liked or maybe particularly did not like mm-hmm.
0: I didn't like the Packers draft. I don't ever like the Packers draft. I think You're always draft, welcome back. Team. Yeah, I think the Packers you can come draft back anytime. Um, I love Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'll say that one. I hope he's in Washington, but um, do not. I did not like the Packers draft class. I thought there were just so many better selections that they could have made. On the other hand, I thought for what the Lions and Vikings drafts were, I thought they did a great, great job. Um, the Lions people want to say, oh, well, they should have just taken – a quarterback their draft was a fail because of that they don't have their franchise quarterback I don't believe that they got my number two rated player in the class seventh overall and in my opinion tied for the second most important position in football that is by no means a poor draft pick and then they went out, they filled out their trenches. They added talent all across the board to positions of need. They're building a foundation for Dan Campbell and his staff to move forward with and to build up on. I think the Lions are going to be a more complete team than they have been in a while. I don't necessarily think that's going to translate to a lot of wins mm. this year, but I think it's going to be a good building block moving forward. Um guys like Pene Sue, uh Levi rike alim McNeil, Ifiatu Melafanu, Amon Ross Brown, all guys I expect to be all guys I really, really enjoyed and guys who I think can play early on in their career with the Vikings. I thought the Vikings did a great job because A, they got someone who I loved in Christian D'Arsau. He was my OT2, number five player, got him all the way down at 23. That was the best value of the first round, in my opinion. I think Justin Fields was the best pick, but Darsaw was the best overall value. Kellen Mond makes sense, right? You're not, Kirk Cousins is not going to be your quarterback in five years. Maybe Mont hits. Uh, if you're lucky, he's the one of the three quarterbacks who turns into a Competitive average starter, best case scenario, right? He turns into this Dak, which is or this Russell Wilson, which is like one in one hundred chance. But you never know. I'm always okay taking a swing on a quarterback in round three. Chassarad, I thought was really really good value. White Davis was really really good value. Patrick Jones was really great value. Cameron Bindum, Jairus Robinson. I I loved the Vikings draft across the board. I think the NFC North between those three teams, not including the Packers, obviously. All had really, really, really strong drafts. I think they just did it different. We talk about the Bears draft is so good because they had, they got players of really premium value, specifically Justin Fields at that 11, which is really driving a majority. They could have not made in a pick the rest of the draft, and I still would have had a B or B plus, right? So with the Vikings and the Lions, they are not so sexy. Obviously, the Lions got Penny Sewell, but their draft across the board, they had so many those day two picks that I think are going to be contributors early on. Obviously I I said that the Bears lack that substance in the middle, but because they took the players they did at the beginning and at the end, that's what brought theirs the Vikings, the Lions, the value they got in day two in the middle that gives them such a strong substance. That's why I like their draft so much.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you about the Lions. And I think the uh I, I love I mean, I just love the philosophy of building with the big men up front. Mm-hmm. Um going from what you said earlier though, how do you project Sewell in the NFL? I mean, he is another guy that played tackle who has shorter arms, where do you think he projects in the NFL and on that lines?
0: So my thing, yeah. So I typically don't concern about arm length. I have my personal threshold is 33 inches. Some people have a 34 inches. I think 33 inches is more than adequate. Um, We've really rarely ever seen elite tackles with some 33 inch, but we've seen a number of elite tackles with 33 inch. Obviously that half an inch really, you would think doesn't make a big difference. I can't confirm. I've never had longer or shorter arms. I've just had the arms that I have. Um, But overall, 33 is that threshold I said. That's why Tevin Jenkins does concern me a little bit being under that. Um, While Penny Sewell's is just at that. Rayshawn Slater's just at that. Um, The difference for them is Penny Sewell across the board has a lot of things I really, really just love about the tape. He lacks elite athletic ability, um, and sometimes his feet can get a bit sloppy. Other than that, everything's – Pretty much an AA plus off the board. Power at the point of attack, his consistency throughout his career, his hand usage, um, his functional athletic ability, his ability to get to his spots, all really, really good. I think still has the potential to be a top five tackle in the NFL. I expect him to be a top 10 left tackle, top 12 maybe this year, but I would not be surprised if he had a Jedrick Wills, Mekki Beckton, Tristan Warsh type of impact right here at the get go. Um, I wish he was playing left tackle because I think he's better than Taylor Decker but they're going to play him at right tackle. We'll see if he ever moves over to that left side. But I mean, he's a dominant football player. He's my number two rated. He was my number two rated player. And I, I think it was a great pick for Detroit.
1: Yeah. I I, I love that pick a lot. He, he was one of my favorite players going into this draft. And I think, like I said, the lines have a, a very solid offensive line overall. Um, I mean, too bad they have Jared Goff playing QB and no weapons for him, but if they're bad, they'll get another top pick next year and be able to start building something there. Uh, ultimately it probably comes down to Dan Campbell and, just how much mm-hmm. of a psychopath he is and how yeah, much of a he, some kneecaps yeah, have any
0: kneecaps he bites off or whatnot.
1: See, a guy like that's interesting though. Like it really is just gonna be like when things go bad, how are the players gonna respond to mm-hmm. that kind of like nonsense talk? I, I really have no idea. Some guys might love it. It's kind of an old school approach to me, and I don't that really doesn't seem like that would fly with a lot of the younger guys, but that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's gonna be kind of a culture guy. You'll see kind of that. That Patriots way essence, where the players that he's consistently bringing in, you're like, you know what, that's a Dan Campbell player. That makes sense. Penasul was like that. Penasul was a, a grindy. You know, him and his family, they they just went about their business, right? They were about their business. They worked. They worked hard. Um, they were about that grindy kind of just get at you, get in your face kind of attitude, and that, you got to be that. You've seen Penasul play. He does that to people on a football field. Um, He's Dan Campbell on a football field. That's why I completely expected that pick to be made at seven. Um, and Brad Holmes loves him and shout out Brad Holmes. I will forever, forever love him because he got, I, he's an honorary fat person. I inducted him myself. Anybody who gets that excited to draft an offensive lineman is an honorary fat guy. Um, so I was very, very happy to see that. I think it was like like you said, I think it was a great pick. I think it was one of the better picks of the first round. I think that pick was so much better than Jamar Chase. I think the Bengals should have taken Sewell a thousand out of a thousand times. Absolutely, Um, yeah, that was my least favorite pick of the top 10. And I thought Carolina and Denver both reached on quarters. So that that tells you what I thought about Jamar Chase going five. And I knew Jamar Chase was going five for a month, I just hated it.
1: Yeah, no, we. I'm with you. I, I think we both are. Me and Joe have talked about it for a while that just you got to protect your quarterback, especially when he tears his ACL. You just, uh, I, I, it makes me sick that teams still don't realize the importance of the offensive
0: line. I'm, I, I'm concerned. So I'm concerned, Jed, because that offensive line in Chicago on the tackles at least is in my eyes not amazing going forward, right? So that's, that's my big concern. So I'm okay if Andy Dalton started 16 games this year. Because if you guys start 16 games, you win five games, and you're drafting Evan Neal or or whoever you're taking top 10 to protect Justin Fields well, for the rest well, the of Giant, year. the year.
1: Well, the Giants have our pick next year. So the Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah that that, that's true. That's true. So, so that's uh, you, uh, for your I case. That day two. For your Washington football team, you do not want the Bears to be bad. You want the Bears to win. At least games. I'll give
0: you Morgan Moses. He's on the blog. You can have him for Justin Fields.
1: I. That would be <laughs> not for Justin Fields, but that would be a phenomenal mentor for some I of these young, younger tackles. He's reliable; he doesn't It'd miss make, games. It would make like, sense.
0: It would make sense.
1: But i I personally think the Bears are done uh, done with their big moves and just going to roll with it. So we'll see. I mean, sounds like you're torn on Tevin Jenkins. The I mean, Joe and I are concerned as well. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope the guy can answer the call. They traded up for him too. I mean, there's a lot riding yeah, on this.
0: Exactly. I was, this is the, so what sucks is this was the worst case scenario for me for Tevin Jenkins because best case scenario for me was that he's going to play right tackle on a team that will move him to guard if he needs to be right. Worst case scenario was he's going to be on a team that has to play him at left tackle from day one. That's what, that was my big concern with if Washington took him in 19, they were just going to have to force him into left tackle, um, just because I think it's so the stigma around that position is just so nasty. So they have to be an elite player out of the get go, or they're just never going to be elite. And you have to play them at left tackle always because if they're a left tackle, they're a left tackle. We saw Orlando Brown, right? When he came out as a left tackle um, at Oklahoma, he played right tackle for the first couple of years of his career. Then he played left tackle this past year. Um, And he was, Hey, I'm a left tackle. I want left tackle money. I'm sure, you know, Eric Fisher struggled left tackle a lot for the Chiefs They kind of just forced him. And even though he became okay, he was never as good as he probably could have been somewhere else on the line. So that's just, that's my biggest concern with Tevin. But we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong, right? I always like to be wrong on prospects. Um, I like them to prove me wrong, prove that they're better than um, I thought they were, but we'll see.
1: Joe, do uh, you got anything else for our man, Matt, here? I think we uh, we picked his brain a lot tonight.
2: Matt, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, like Lucas said, our first reputable guest, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited. It was it was a fun hour. Yeah, I had a blast.
1: Yeah, so uh, more than welcome to hop on here whenever. Doesn't always need to about be about the draft. You could talk about the Bears. We could talk about Washington football team. We could talk about all things football. Whatever you want, man. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, you'll just have to send us your track record with prospects, and now we can uh, it's
0: pretty good <laughs> with linemen. It's pretty good, I'm gonna be 100% honest, guys. <laughs> it's pretty good with linemen. Died had OT1 player two last year, and he, he had a pretty good rookie season. Um, we'll see, we'll see, but it's it's concerning for for Tevin Jenkins. And Matt Valdezino is the kiss of death.
1: We'll see, man. I, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't just as concerned, so <laughs> um like i said we, david, we listen, david
0: montgomery though i'll tell you what if anyone's real real happy about the De- tevin jenkins pick it is david montgomery Devin jenkins is a 10 times the run blocker charles Lino is. i'll definitely give you this um so there, there's some to be happy for right you can bring in justin fields for a couple of plays if you want to run qb power and read option tevin jenkins great for that right so there, there's definitely pros i don't want to just i hate i hate talking bad about prospects Um, Because I do think he's a good player, right? He was a top 50 pick in the NFL draft. I think he's got, he's talented, but there, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned with some things.
1: No. And I mean, just like we said, the fact that they moved him to left tackle is is concerning. And um, to your point, though, David Montgomery, he's got to be super happy about that pick. Um, I just, I have this feeling that we're, we're going to see Justin Fields week one Sunday night football. You're going to see him out there immediately. I just, I, I don't see any way Andy Dalton beats him out in camp. There's just, yeah,
0: no, I agree. Really in a fair competition.
1: Exactly. There's Open just no playbook, way. Yeah. Like I, I, I messaged you about this in your DM. I said, yeah. this isn't, this isn't Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, right?
0: Yeah. And the I had Chief, never thought about it this way.
1: The chiefs won 11 games that year. They were 11 and five. Alex Smith was the vet. Um, You know, he knew the playbook. Andy Dalton doesn't know this playbook. Justin Fields doesn't know this playbook. They're starting at a level playing field. And Justin
0: Fields actually gets first dibs on too, because he gets ready to make it. I didn't even think about that either.
1: He's going to go out there first. And not only that, I mean, he's, I, the players will probably have a mutiny if, if they yeah. see how good Justin Fields is, and then they try and throw out Andy Dalton. Like, I just don't see it. I, I, I think Justin Fields is is NFL ready to and he able to play week one. So I don't think he necessarily needs to sit. It's more so the concerns about the offensive line and him not getting hurt. But he's athletic enough to avoid the pressure. So we'll see.
2: Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> one, one more
1: thing before we let you go, Matt. Aaron Donald versus Tevin Jenkins week one. The Rams are going to exploit the hell out of that.
0: Yeah. They're kind of, they're nasty, nasty. They're a nasty defense too. I'll tell you. So the Rams on paper are not more talented than Washington. They're not more talented, probably not more talented than Chicago. Aaron Donald's great. They're not more talented. They got teams like Pittsburgh. They're not more talented than teams like Cleveland, but their scheme is so, so great at putting their players in a great position to succeed and exposing any weakness on the opposing offense. And so I definitely, we will see, but I would not be surprised to see Aaron Donald in a wide nine, um straight head up immediately on jenkins. yeah immediately. Oh, we're in the shaded five yeah we'll see
1: well start saying getting ready prayer. yeah start saying my prayers i mean i hope <laughs> i hopefully it's just a dog fight though and and jenkins just just seeing this if i want to see jenkins just get furious just donald furious versus jenkins furious just that'll be fucking awesome that'll be sick
0: Jake, I yeah, can't can, can, he can generate power at the point of a down block to a three tech Aaron Donald is definitely something I would enjoy watching
1: <laughs> yeah so we'll see about that but seriously thank you for your honest opinions we really appreciate it definitely appreciate the insight and so do all the Bears fans listening um so we'll definitely have you on again um this show here is brought to you by one call technology we have Matt here on the one call technology hotline if you have issues with your phone carriers and you want a cheaper bill, make sure you call one call tech and tell them that Believe the Nazis podcast sent you. We will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in.